Genesis chapter 1, starting with verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his image, in the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the earth, over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And I like what verse 31 says, and we'll jump down to there. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. You may be seated. You need to understand that last week I preached on looking forward and looking up. Don't look back at 2019. That, that seems to be, or 2018. That seems to be the theme. Don't look back, but look forward and look up. And I, you, you, you remember the sermon because it was just about being focused, going forward. Well, I got to thinking, how can you go forward? You, there's something you have to do in order to go forward in 2019. And the title of this sermon is Get a Vision. There are two visions you have to have, and we're going to start with the first one, because this is the most important vision that anybody in the body of Christ can have. You need to understand that you need to understand the vision that God has for you, how He sees you, not how you see you, but how God sees you. And as I read, God made you in His image. God made man, male and female, in his image. No other creature is made in God's image. That makes you very unique. Very unique. On top of it, God, had, God blessed man. And, God is, and man is the only creature that God made that he said, he told all of them to be fruitful and multiply, but he told man to have dominion over the earth. And to subdue it, meaning he, God was telling Adam that there's going to come a time when you're going to have to take authority over the animals. You're going to have to take authority over everything that creeps. I made you to have dominion over the earth. Pestilence, cockroaches and ants are not supposed to have pestilence over our houses. Dominion over our houses. We're supposed to have dominion over them. All right, does that make sense? And as far as people, we're not to have dominion over people. We're supposed to rule and reign side by side with people. But because of human nature and the fact that not everybody knows the Lord Jesus Christ, that makes it almost impossible, and I said almost, to work side by side with people. Yes, hon? Because... It's almost impossible. Oh, we have had 
issues with bugs in the church, especially on the parsonage side. Well, I think it was December, maybe November. I don't remember exactly when it was. But I got up at, in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. While I was in the bathroom, these bugs were crawling across while I was using the bathroom. And I, I was killing them with my, walk, with my stick and stepping on them. And I got really frustrated. And I cursed them. I said, Lord, I curse all of these bugs that are in this church. I curse them. I rebuke them. I cast them out of this church. I command them to die and their, house, and their nest in Jesus' name. Well, my wife asked me yesterday, have you seen the bug? Have you seen a bug in here? I said, no, coming to think of it. She goes, neither have I. I said, well, that's because I cursed them and commanded them to die and leave the building. You have dominion over the earth. You have that dominion. When all else fails, you can stand on what God tells you. This is what we have to understand. This is part of the vision. And the other thing, too, is God spoke everything else into creation. You need to understand. you got to get this vision. Before I can go into the other, there are two visions you got to have. But if you don't get this one, the second one's not going to do you a hill of beans. Because you got to understand what God is saying about you. Because God's vision about you, for you, should be your vision. Once you catch God's vision for you, who he says you are, who he says, who the power that he says you have, oh my gosh, there's nothing that can stop you. You know, we look around in this, in this church and we're like, Lord, where's the people? Because sometimes we have six, sometimes we have 13, and every now and then we might have 19, 21 people. But you look around and it's like, how come it's not a consistent thing? That's okay. Because my word says, speak those things that are not as if they are. And this building is full. Amen. This building is full. And I'm gonna, I can guarantee you, if we keep praying and fasting and seeking the Lord individually and as a body of Christ and coming together, we're going to see 300 people in this church. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because when we first opened this church, we met a gentleman who used to work down at the New Kirk Herald, and he used to go here when they were running 300 people. We met a pastor that used to pastor this church in the 80s and 90s. He said it was running easily, 250, 300 people. We met another person that attended this church, and they said, yeah, people were coming from Ponca, they were coming from Ark City, they were coming from Kildare, they were coming from Caw, they said they were parked up and down the street. People were walking from their homes. I'm telling you, it's going to happen again, but it's only going to happen when we catch the vision that God has for this church, when, God, when we catch the vision that he has for us individually and corporately. And corporately, he has a vision, I'll tell you right now, he has a vision that we're, we will be a major ministry center here in Newkirk. Not just for Newkirk, the community, but for K County. And then it's going to branch out. How big will it get? I'm not sure how big. But I know we're not going to stay just inside K County. I don't believe we're going to stay just inside Oklahoma. 
but we're going to be big. And how big is dependent on our obedience to God, how much we seek him and serve him, and the vision. We have to get the vision. We are the only creature that God made with his hands. Everything else he spoke into existence. Everything else he spoke into existence but man. He said, let us make man in our image. And who was he talking to? He was talking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. And some say he was talking to the angels, but the angels are not made in God's image. It just says he made the angels. It doesn't say he made them in his image. Man is the only creature made in God's image. Now I want to take you to, or to Psalms 139. Because we really have to understand what God is saying about you. This is the vision we have to catch. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. That means God knew you before you were born. And God was creating you. God was in the midst of making you who he wanted you to be while you were still in your mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am, and this is David talking, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. David said, because Lord, you knew me in my mother's womb, you made me fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and at, and that my soul knoweth right well. Deep down our soul knows that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The problem is, as we get older, and as we stray away from the Lord, we, be, we don't feel the, worth, uh, the worthwhile. We, we don't feel valued. We don't feel important because we don't know the Lord like we should. Some people have a sense of value, and they base that value on either their success or their relationships or the amount of stuff they have. But true value comes in knowing who Christ, who you are in Christ. True value says, you know what, no matter, you can, you can fail, you can wind up in prison, you can wind up on your deathbed from a sickness. God still loves you regardless. Doesn't matter what you did or didn't do. That's the bottom line right there. He still loves you, and he still says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you in my image. That's what God is saying. I made you in my image. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not leaving you. And this is what we got to understand. This is the vision that God has for us. And there's also how God sees you. He sees you as forgiven and not condemned. Psalm 32, verse 1. Let's look at that one. Psalm, verse, Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. When you come to, to the Lord, when you accept Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sins, you've asked Jesus into your heart, you confess your sins with your mouth, you confess that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again on the third day, your sins have been forgiven. God says, I've forgiven you. 
Because it says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. When we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, forgive me, for I have sinned, he's covered it. Well, here's another one for you to help you with that. Let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 7. Romans chapter 4, verse 7 says, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. So you got it in the Old Testament. When they got forgiveness, when they brought their sacrifice to the priest to get forgiveness, the Bible says they were covered. Blessed is the man whose sins are covered. And now in Romans chapter 7, or chapter 4, verse 7, Blessed are they whose iniquities, and iniquity is willful, deliberate sin, are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Jesus Christ covered our sins. And they're covered. Never again to be, never again for us to bring them up. We, we bring them up because we feel guilty still. Because we can't accept the forgiveness. It's, it's not that we can't, it's hard to accept it. Why would he die for, for, for me? After everything I did, why would Christ die for me? How can I still be forgiven? But it's free. And see, this leads me to the other part of it, Romans 8.1. This is the beautiful part, because when we start feeling that, that could be a combination of things. It could be the flesh, or it could be Satan trying to keep you from buying into your salvation, from believing and accepting it. Because Romans 8.1, this is what I love. There is, now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. There is now therefore, there is now therefore, 2019, there is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Whatever happened in 2019 needs to stay in 2019. Don't bring it back up. You know, you know you're doing good. You know you're walking the right path. You're growing in the Lord when two things happen. One, Satan has to use your past against you. When he can't, you, when, when, you're not messing, when you're not tempted and you fall into that temptation, when you're, walking, when you're walking so straight with the Lord on a daily basis, and Satan, the only thing Satan can do is bring your past up, you know you're going in the right direction. You know you're winning. Now, here's the, here's the kicker. You know you're really gaining ground when you know that, the, that Satan can no longer use your past against you. He has to now start making up lies about you. He ha when he starts making lies up about you, then you know you've really gained some ground. You've really grown spiritually. When... when like for me, I never, I have never smoked. But we were at a church and we were waiting for the church to open. It was in between services and we were in the car and my family were practicing songs and, and we were backed up underneath a shade tree and these, uh, this other car came along. We didn't really think a whole lot about it. And a little later, church opened up and we all went in. Well, the next day I get a phone call from the pastor talking to me about my smoking habit. And I stopped and I'm like, what? She said, well, you need to understand, Brother Doug, it hurts your testimony. 
I said, but pastor, I don't smoke. Well, that's not what I was told. I was told that you were smoking so bad that smoke was coming out of all four windows. That your windows were down and the car was so full of smoke. And first of all, I thought, you actually believe that? After spending time with me and my family? Really? And we were there for four years? I'm like, really? When the enemy has to make lies up about you, you know you're going in the right direction. You know you've gained some major ground. So you need to understand that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've got to understand that the, there's for, you're forgiven and not condemned. I gave you three verses. The Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So you may be thinking, boy, pastor, you got a lot of scripture. Well, I'm backing it up. You get a little bit of the old and a little bit of the new. Because see, the old and the new testaments work together. You can't throw one away because, oh, we're under, we're under the new testament. Now we're under grace. Yeah, well, grace needed to come because of the old testament. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law, but I come to fulfill the law. So he was saying, I'm not, you can't throw the law away because I came to fulfill it. But he also came to give us a better covenant. And that's the key. That's, that's why the New Testament is important because Jesus Christ is the new covenant. The old covenant still exists, but it the old, the old covenant was kind of like amended. Well, how can you say that, Pastor? Because, see, in the New Testament, there was only one sac- one sin sacrifice given for everybody. And that was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the ultimate and final sacrificial lamb for everybody's atonement. We do not have to bring goats and lambs into the sanctuary to have the priest, and there's no way I would do it, (laughs) to slaughter it and offer it up the way they want it offered up on the altar and sprinkle the blood around like they did. I mean, man, the Old Testament is bloody. And the new one is bloody in the sense that Jesus Christ's blood was shed for each and every person. From the Garden of Gethsemane to the cross. It's a very bloody, bloody book. Very bloody covenant, but that's part of his vision for us. You have to understand how he sees you. He also sees you as loved and not hated. Ooh. Ooh. Now, this is where you need to ask, stop, and say, okay, Lord, teach me how to love myself. Because you got to understand, God loves you. If you go to Romans 8.39, let's look at Romans 8.39. Well, let's go to, let's go to verse 38. Romans 8.38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Ooh. So Paul lays it out. Right now he says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. He's covered it all right there. He's covered the spiritual and the physical. 
He's covered the now and the future. You notice he didn't cover the past. Because the past is the past. You're not living in the past anymore. You're not in 2018 anymore. You're in 2019. And he goes on to say, nor height, nor depth, nor any nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. Nothing. The only thing that can keep you from the love of God is you. You, you have to learn to grow in the love of God. You have to learn to accept that love. And that's part of getting the vision of God. I love you. I love you unconditionally. That's God's love. It's unconditional. It's without strings. Jesus did say in John 15, he said, if you love me, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's not a string. Jesus is saying, I know you love me when you keep my commandments. That's you loving me. He never said, I don't love you because you don't keep my commandments. You got you to understand where this is going because this is the vision. His love for you is unconditional. When you read John chapter 15, Jesus says, if, you, if my words abide in you, then you abide in me. He never said he didn't care for you. He just said, if your words are in, if my words are in you, then I'm in you. But if your words are not in me, if my words are not in you, then I'm not in you. And he was being, he was telling the truth. He's like, hey, if you want some power with me, then you got to get my word in you. And when you get my word in you, you're actually getting me in you. So you got to understand that that you are loved and not hated, Romans 8.39. And let's look at Romans 5.8, because that's an interesting one too. Romans 5.8 says, But God commanded his love toward us, but God commanded his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. That means we were on God's mind while Jesus, before Jesus was even born, before Jesus was even crucified. You got to get this vision of what God says about you. In John 3.16. Come on now, John 3.16. Exactly, and here's the beautiful part. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. See, we got to quote the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You got to quote the, not that you weren't doing good, sister, you were. You got it. You got it, but we have to understand. You know, here's the thing. People want to stop. People want to stop at certain parts of the verses. They want to stop a certain part. Like Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. They like to stop right there. No, there's more to it. Well, exactly, there's more to it. There's a whole lot more to it. Well, that's all right. So that's John three sixteen. 
And now here's the other thing. You're blessed. God says you're blessed. I have, I've called you blessed. You read it in Genesis. He blessed them. And he wants you to, he wants you to have a prosperous future. Jeremiah 29, 11. I'm going to read the King James Version. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. This is what the Amplified says about it. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Think about that. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. God knows the thoughts and the plans that he has for you. Jeremiah 29, 11. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace. Let's stop right there. For welfare. Ooh, welfare. What, when you hear that word, welfare, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Poor and cannot be able to stand. Welfare could also be your health. Welfare in this, here it could be a very generic term, it could be a very broad term, or it could be very specific. You could read that and say, for your welfare, my prosperity, my, 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 my wealth, my finances. But it's so much more than that. It's prosperity in every area, spiritually, physically, and financially. So if you take the word welfare and replace it with prosperity, you're not taking away from God's word. You're just, you're just replacing a word there with another word that opens it up, a synonym. It helps you understand it in a whole better uh, light. And peace, peace. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world knows it, <laughs> but as I know it. So I know the plans and thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil. See, there are people, they want to say, well, God brings these diseases on us. God, God brings hard times on us. God, God does this. God makes people's, no, God doesn't. Our sin opens the door for sickness and, 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 and problems to happen. Yeah. Our disobedience yes. opens the door for sin and sickness to come into our lives. And I'm going to throw this out there. Life just happens. And well, why would you say that, Pastor? Because we got to understand something. God's vision, he just said here, not of evil. Not evil. Sickness is evil. God does not. God is not pleased with sickness. Exactly. It rains on the just and the unjust. And when the Lord will help you understand this, when life just happens, there's nothing you can do about it. And it's not because you sinned. It's not because your mom and dad sinned. It's not because your great great ancestors sinned, even though they probably did. If you are born blind and you have healthy family, and there's no record of blindness in your family of people being born blind, like in the Bible. 
The disciples came to Jesus and said, who sinned, the mother or the father? Because the Bible says that the sins of the father will be passed down to the third and fourth generation. They understand that there are generational curses that, that can get passed down. That's why they asked Jesus, who sinned? This man or his parents? They truly believed that sicknesses was because of a sin. And Jesus said, neither of them. Jesus said, the man didn't sin and neither did his mom and dad. And, they, and I can just picture, they looked at him puzzled. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean? He didn't sin, but he's still blind. His parents didn't sin, and he's still blind. What did Jesus say? He said, this thing is of God, to bring glory and honor to him. God allowed that man to be born blind, because at that moment, he was going to send his son to heal him and do a work and also break some tradition, bring a new, bring a new, um, a new way of thinking about God. So he brought in a new doctrine. You notice he didn't get rid of the old, but he said, no, this thing is of God. To bring God glory and honor. Sometimes we, we go get into situations where God is like, I'm going to allow this to happen. Because I want to get glory and honor out of it. Because I know that so-and-so is going to stay faithful. And I can, I can... I can not only get glory and honor out of it, but I'm going to promote them because of it. The man got healed, and he was taken before the religious leaders about who healed him. And he said, I don't know who it was that healed me. All I know is I'm healed. Amen. He's like, I don't care who it was. I just know I'm healed. And I can see you. I can see you, you, and you. So we got to understand and not for evil, to give you hope in your final outcome. Jeremiah 29, 11, to give you hope in your final outcome. What's our final, our final outcome? Ultimately, we want to make it to heaven. Amen. That's our ultimate hope. But between now and then, we have to have hope to get us through each day. We have to have hope to get us through this bill being paid, that bill being paid. My knees being healed, my ankles being healed, my, my, my body being healed in general. Mm -hmm. Hope for this, hope for that. Mm -hmm. Now, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Now, hope is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Thank you. The evidence of things not seen. To give you hope in an expected end, your final outcome. In John 10.10, 10, you're blessed, and you have a prosperous future. Let's talk about John 10.10. 10. Jesus said, The thief cometh to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life. But I have come that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly. And what's that word abundantly mean? Spiritually, physically, financially. We got to understand that the gospel is a, pros is a prosperity gospel. This is a prosperity message. 
This whole Bible is a prosperity message. I am not, I'm not saying blab it and grab it. But I don't, now, don't get me wrong. I have no problem with if what you desire really lines up with God's will for you. I, don't, I believe with all my heart at some point in time, God will give it to you. If you keep your motives right and you keep serving the Lord, I don't doubt that he'll give you the desires of your heart. Okay? But you got to understand, he's come to give us life and life more abundantly. And the other thing, God's made us victorious. You got to understand what he says. Let's take a look at Isaiah 54, 17. We touched on it. Isaiah 54, 17 says, No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. First of all, he says, no weapon, spiritually, physically, or financially, is going to stand against you. It's not going to work against you. Shall prosper. And every tongue, everybody that's ever spoken bad about you, that's ever spoken a curse against you, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, everybody that's backstabbing you, those that you thought were your friend, stabbing you in the back, it happens in ministry. You think everything's fine. You're asking so-and-so, are you okay? Did I offend you? No, brother. I'm just sick. I got a cold. It's allergies. It's this. It's that. And then all of a sudden, you're in a public place. And next thing you know, well, you should know that. And then they just let off on you. In a public place, with, every, with all the sinners around, they couldn't do it privately, when, hey, brother, did I offend you? Are you sure? Could you look like you're mad at me. Oh, no, pastor, no, it's, it's this, that. Couldn't tell you right there, but see, when it finally comes out, when that tongue arises against you, the in judgment thou shalt condemn. That means, Lord, I take authority over those negative words that sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so and this person and that person has spoken against my life. I bind it, I rebuke it, I curse it, I can it down, cast it down. I speak just the opposite. Right. I speak life and prosperity. Yeah. Everywhere where they cursed it and, and, and commanded my finances to die and the prosperity of the church to die, I curse that, that curse right now. I, I bind those negative words and I speak just the opposite. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to confront them. If the Lord's want, if, if, God, if God wants you to confront that person, he'll, give, he'll open the opportunity up. And he'll give you the words to speak. But we've got to understand, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, spiritually, physically, and financially. And any tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. You don't have to take it. You don't have to take the, back, the tongue lashing. And this is the beautiful part. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's our heritage. <laughs> you know what that means? You know what that tells me? That's my right. <laughs> That's my privilege. That's mine by inheritance, and you can't touch it. Right. Get your grubby little paws off of it. Stop it. It's enough. And their righteousness, this is my favorite part of the whole verse, and their righteousness your righteousness, your righteousness, and your righteousness 
is of me, saith the Lord. Think about that. When the Lord says we're righteous, we're righteous. Nobody else can say we're not. And the last one, Romans 8, 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors. You got to get the vision. Now, next week, I'll talk about the other vision. But this is the vision you have to have because you got to understand it's vital that we understand how God sees us. That's the vision that God has for us. And I just, I didn't even scratch it. There's so much more. But I gave you what I feel are the nuts and bolts of God's vision for you, how he sees you. And next week, like I said, I'll talk about the other vision, but this vision is so important. This is the first and foremost vision that we need to get for ourselves.